Brian, can I see that paper for a sec? Huh, that's odd. I thought that would be big news. You thought what would be big news? Well, there seems to be an absence of a certain ornithological piece. A headline regarding mass awareness of a certain avian variety. What are you talking about? Oh, have you not heard? It was my understanding that everyone had heard. Heard what? Brian, don't! Well, a bird, bird, bird. For birds, a word, a well, a bird, bird, bird. For birds, a word, a well, a bird, bird, bird. For birds, a word, a well, a bird, bird, bird. For birds, a word, a Brian, don't you know about the bird? Well, Peter's gonna tell you about the bird, a well, a bird, bird. For birds, a word, a well, a bird. And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is April 5th, 2015. Scott Magnus, happy Easter. Happy Easter and Passover to our Jewish listeners as well. Delman Young wishes you a very happy Passover. Uh, for those of you listening, thank you. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, of course, as always, riding on the coattails of one Mr. Scott Magnus. And tonight is a very special night because it is the night before the first game of the season. Yes, tomorrow is the day we have all been waiting for, and what a day it will be. For tomorrow at 3.10 p.m., the Orioles will take the field in St. Petersburg, Florida, under beautiful sunny Oh, wait, no. Under a dome stadium with catwalks well above their heads to begin defending their 2014 AL East Division Championship. I can only respond to that in one way. Squeeze! And if I haven't blown out your earbuds, you're still listening. If you are listening to our voices right now, it's because you found us on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. But it's also possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report Network, as we are proud members of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. If you're over there on the network, be sure to check out Baltimore Sports Today, which is the daily podcast from the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Also, tune in all season long as BSR will bring you BSR Post Game Live. It is a live video show that will air uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 30 minutes after the final out. Scott and I will be uh, prevalent in the in the postgame shows, but a lot of the great hosts from BSR, from outside the network, from out of town. It's going to be a good time. We definitely uh, encourage you to check it out. Well, Jake, with that, you know, we should also talk about some of our situations, which is our social media. Sure. You can check us out wherever you want. We've got a YouTube channel. Uh, you can find us on, on uh, Google, Facebook, Google, Google Plus, Plus, Facebook. But the real place to do it is on Twitter, where you can follow us at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. And Jake, with that, let's go to the drink of the week. You've got something special on tap tonight. Oh, this is a big one. This is the big one. Um, well, I, I blogged about this this week over at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Tonight, I am drinking my baseball beer. Mm. This is now uh, the second year I've done this, so I, I guess I can call this a tradition. Yes. Um, basically, what I do is from the last six-pack of the last game of the season, uh, I save one, and I put it in my fridge, and I open it on the first day of the next season. Okay. Uh, in this case, it seemed a little silly for me to open it and and have had three days go by, you know, open it on Friday yeah. on opening day. So uh, I'm going to break it out here for the podcast. I'm going to open it right up. now? Here we go. Okay. And we'll just uh, we'll see what 183 day old uh, Natty Bo's gonna taste like. like. Hmm, that's a taste of um. Well, it tastes pretty much exactly the same. It looks like. Oh boy, what a beer! Yeah. What are you drinking, Scott? Jake, I am drinking a Union Brewing Company 
Double Duck Pin. It's a double IPA with a little bit of a kick. Not bad. I'm sure you'll be having some of it after you have that um, amazing beer that you're finishing off there. I do have to wash the taste out of my mouth. Of course, please share with us what you're drinking, what your drink of the week is. We are on Untapped, and it, of course, comes through to the Twitter. Uh, I am on Untapped. Uh, my uh, ID there is jakee40025. And you can follow me at M-A-G-N-8606. Um, with that, Jake, let's go ahead and uh, walk through the wing, if you don't mind. I am stuck on Band-Aid Brand, because Band-Aid stuck on me. I am stuck on Band-Aid Brand, because germs don't stick on me. Well, they hold on tight no matter what. Or fingers, toes, and knees. Oh. Okay. I don't know if anybody else enjoys that half as much as me, but I don't care. I can't wait till we go to the Doc McStuffin theme song, but that's just me. Um Jake, let's go through the medical wing. A plethora of people heading to the DEL. J.J. Hardy, of course. Matt Wieters, like we've talked about. David Lowe. And now Jimmy Paredes has hit the DEL. A very successful spring training. And now, all of a sudden, he's gone to the DEL. Um, do you think that's more of a let's try to protect him? Or do you think it's a situation of unexpected weight room activity? Uh, you know, I I think they're legit injuries. I, I think these guys are really hurt. But I will say it's kind of uh, it's kind of good for the Orioles with this roster crunch that they've got that Jimmy Paredes and David Lowe can be retained when there's such a crunch for for the bench. Um, they're not really what I'm worried about because I think the bench will work its way out. Sure, I'm more concerned about the starters that are on the DL. And so I want to ask you, which do you think is the bigger deal? And do you think that either J.J. Hardy or Matt Wieters will miss extended time this season. I don't think J.J. Hardy is going to miss much. I think most two or th- two weeks at most. Matt Wieters I'm a little bit more concerned about. Um, I think he could easily be out for a month plus. Um, but we're going to have to see. The, the, the fact that Rockabaco came out today and said that Lionel Lavarnway's contract is probably going to be selected by the Orioles makes me wonder whether the Orioles think that J- uh, Matt Wieters is going to be out for a prolonged period of time. So we're just going to have to see. Other news on that front, too, was... Um, Rock casually mentioned that maybe Ryan Webb might be going to the DL, possibly, with the knee issue. We know that he had the knee issue with uh, him putting ice on it before, so maybe he got a little too close to the uh, the ice machine at the hotel? No, I, I figured it out. Oh, okay. He's got hairy palms from all the rosturbation. Ah, okay. He's got to stay away from Dan on that regard. Absolutely. I think that's good good he, advice for everyone. He's a rosturbator. Um, nothing else really going on in the medical wing. Um, you want to hit the twat? Absolutely. This week on the Twitters. First one goes to the um wow category. And this comes from Jake Arietta. You can follow him at J Arietta34. Just engaged in a sensual hug with at Chris Bryant underscore twenty-three. My opposite power pop increased significantly. All right. I can't tell what's going on here. I can't tell if I'm uncomfortable with this tweet or if I'm just really jealous because I would like to be engaged in a sensual hug with Jake Arietta. I'm just wondering if maybe they sat down together, watched some CrossFit on the television, and then, you know, had an issue. Both of these guys are already uh, under my skin because I think it's a terrible idea when athletes put their number in their Twitter handle because their number can change if they change teams. Look, it's just ill-advised. Think ahead. The next uh, Twitter that we want to go through on the twat is, well, it's all of the sads. Hello, darkness, my old friend. This comes from Ryan Shero, who tweets at R. Shero, and it says, Former Oriole Nick Marcakis being removed from the center field scoreboard at Cannon Yards. And sure enough, there's a picture 
of the little guys on the scaffold pulling down the picture of Nick Markakis. And that just makes me the sad clown. A little sad. Going into another category, this is just gross. Rockabaco post on Twitter. You can follow him at Master Rock. The Orioles' annual green cap auction raised more than $7,900 to benefit Marie Selby Botanical Gardens in Sarasota. Jake, I cannot believe that those ugly green hats pulled in that much money. Well, you say ugly, and you mean it, because here's the thing. Shame on you, Orioles. You got your stuff together last year when the green St. Paddy's Day caps were the smiling bird. You went back to the O's logo, and you know how I feel about the O's logo. Orioles, we've talked about this. But I think the real unsettling thing is that somebody's sweat made $7,900. Somewhere someone paid actual money for a Delman Young worn green Orioles hat. Just because these guys head sweat into it. Yeah. That's really pretty weird. Pretty weird. Yeah, you think but there's probably about 50 people that got their things. So that's over, you know, $150 per cap. You know, we talked about this uh, on one of the uh, first uh, jersey auctions that they do for the Jackie Robinson Day. One of the first uh, Jackie Robinson auctions that took place while we were doing the podcast where we actually tracked who the high and low end of the uh, of the monetary sure. you know, uh, bringers were. So I'd be, I'd be interested to see who brought the most money for the head sweat. Okay. Um, I'm really not interested in talking about head sweat. If we're going to talk uniforms, we're going to talk uniforms. But Jake, I really want to get geared up for, you know, spring training ending in the real season beginning and guns again. And honestly, I think it's best for us to just allow the master himself to speak this out. And this comes from Mass and Orioles, and let's just say Buck says it best. There's no Cinderella's in baseball. And that's beautiful right there. Who you are and what you are will show itself sooner or later. These guys put themselves out on the stage every night. Every night. To be Here we go. made fun of on some TV show if they have a miscue, have adulation if they do something well, but that's what separates them. These are the best 750 players in the world. That the world has to offer. The game's being played better than it ever has in the history of it. Pretty good, man. Run the bases. These are the good old days. <laughs> they are. Wow. That doesn't get you geared up for the uh, for the beginning of the season. I don't know what will. I love to see Buck get a little uh, national attention from MLB. Well, yeah, it's nice to get Buck a little romantic about baseball. So... Uh, with that, Jake, let's delve into the beginning of the season and let's go through some uh, let's go through some masturbation, if you don't mind. What are you doing? I love baseball. Well, we all love baseball. When we get to St. Louis, will you tell me the guys' names on the team so when I go to see them in that St. Louis ballpark? I'll be able to know those fellas. Well, now, it's all right, folks. All right. Excuse me. I, all want, right. I want to find out the fellas' names. As long as it's okay I'm, with I'm the crazy audience. about baseball. Uh, as as, uh, will you stand still? Pick up your hat. Go pick up your hat. Okay. Now, look. 
Then you'll go and peddle your popcorn and don't interrupt the act anymore? Yes, sir. All right. But you know, strange may seem they give ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names? Nicknames, pet not, names. Not as funny as my name, Sebastian Dinwiddie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Funny than that? Oh, absolutely. Whee! Yes. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' name on first base. Who? The fella playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Then who's playing first? Absolutely. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. Why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Why shouldn't he? Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. After all, the man earns it. Who does? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I could listen to this all day. This, this could be our podcast, just listening to Evan Costello. So, look. It might be better. <laughs> might? Might be? Yeah. We're here. The season starts tomorrow. It was a 3 p.m. deadline for the Orioles to announce their roster, and we've got it. And most people have seen it by now. Yeah. Pretty wacky roster, 14 pitchers, 11 position players, and it clearly will not hold for very long. Of course not, but let's not dwell on that. Let's just throw the roster that it came out as. You've got Brad Brock, Zach Burton, Wee and Shen, Kevin Gossman, Jason Garcia, the Rule 5 pick, is on the roster. Um, much to your surprise to a certain regard, you thought that Logan Barrett was going to get that spot. Um, Miguel Gonzalez, Tommy Hunter, Abado Jimenez, Brian Mattis, Bud Norris, Darren O'Day, Chris Tillman, Wesley Wright, and then the big surprise, which was Ryan Webb going onto the roster for opening day. I think everyone within the Baltimore sphere thought that Ryan Webb was not going to make this roster. I think the Orioles are still trying to work out an arrangement to either get him off the roster into Norfolk or to take have him take a trade and go somewhere else as well. Well, I mean, I think you 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 hit it right there. The three big surprises. First of all, let's talk Jason Garcia. Sure. You called this one. I thought that, that Logan Verrett was the more likely candidate, uh, mainly because Verrett was a more polished product. They love Jason Garcia's fastball. They love it. They think that it's good enough that they can cover for the fact that he's going to be developing in secondary pitches at the major league level. That's great. But with so little flexibility in that bullpen as yep. far as being able to move guys up and down, I'm really surprised that they're keeping a, a Rule 5 guy. I, I hope he makes it because this is, as we've talked about, a great way to bring talent into the organization because for a while there, the upper levels of the, of the org were pretty thin. So I love it, but I'm just very surprised. Difficult thing to do for a competing team as well. Yeah. It's not like you see a lot of playoff teams carry a Rule 5 player for the entire season. Um, Jason Garcia is an intriguing player, but again, the lack of options within the bullpen of being able to send people up and send them down. And especially because he's just got the one tool. Right, exactly. You would imagine that he's going to get hit pretty hard and he's not going to be able to be pitched in high leverage situations. Not to mention, he's not a pitcher. It looks like he could be pitching for um, multiple innings at this time. Uh, they didn't try him to do that during spring training. It doesn't mean they can't do it. Um, it's certainly possible based off his pedigree of being a starter in, a, in the minors previously, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how long the Orioles can actually keep him on the roster with the logjam they have in the bullpen. Ryan Webb is going to have to be either designated for assignment or traded. I can't imagine that he's going to stay in the bullpen for that long. Go ahead. Here's the thing. 
Ryan Webb is not a terrible pitcher. No, like I've actually mentioned um, to people, he's probably the fourth best reliever on the team last year, and that was even with the demotion to Norfolk for many months. I thought he was a great pitcher. It just was when Andrew Miller came up, he kind of lost his spot. Let me let me ask you because I agree with you. I think that Ryan Webb has been effective for this team. Is it just the numbers game and he's the loser when it comes to salary options, whatever have you? Do you think there's any chance that he's done something to get into the doghouse? I guess that's a possibility. Um, you know, the one big thing that happened last year that I think surprised everyone was how good Brad Brock really was and how much Brad Brock really became something that Buckshow really could like. Everyone in spring training has been talking about Brad Brock being even better than he was last year. Even Zach Brady has come out and said he's probably one of our best relievers. Um, if Brad Brock is going to be as good as advertised by the Orioles, um, maybe he he effectively took Ryan Webb's position to a certain regard um, during the season last year and became that person of, hey, I'm basically taking your job from you. And then with Andrew Miller coming in, you only had so much time available to pitchers in that in that bullpen. It is a very, very different ball game yep. when when your team is losing good players because they can't keep them on the roster with all of the other good options they have. Yeah. I, I mean, the 2005 me is pinching himself. Yeah. All right, so that's the that's the pitching staff, and I don't want to belabor it. What no. else do we have going on as far as the roster is concerned? Let's go to the catchers. Uh, we've got uh, Caleb Joseph as your starting catcher right now with Matt Waiters in the DL, and you've got Steve Clevenger right now up. Um, there is a talk, like we discussed, with Ryan LaVarnway um, having his contract potentially purchased by the Orioles. That would require the Orioles to make a move both on the 40-man roster and the 25-man roster. The discussion really is about probably DFAing um, Ryan Webb in the process. Sure. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the Orioles make a spot or whether they even try to do so for LaVarnway um, for that first game. Um, a lot of people said that if they bring up LaVarnway, they'll option Clevenger after the first game because they'll just use Clevenger as a left-handed bat off the bench. I don't know. I mean, Clevenger's really not that great of a left-handed bat as it is. I could, If I was going to bring a bat, I'd bring somebody else on before I would hit him. My issue is that I have no problem with Clevenger because he's the backup catcher. Right, your backup catcher is never going to be a guy you need to be excited about, right? So, I mean, we've talked about this before, you know, whether it's Aaron Sebia or Lavarnway or Clevenger. Like, let you know, what are we really getting excited about? I'm I'm really concerned about if Matt Weeders is not going to return in a timely fashion. How are the Orioles going to make sure that they can keep as many good catchers on the roster as they can? Right, I think relying on Lavarnway is you know not a great catcher, but I think he gives an option for the Orioles if they're able to keep him throughout the entire season in Norfolk. I think I'd rather much rather see Ryan LaVarnway try to develop in Norfolk than Steve Clevenger as your triple-A um, catcher. That's just my personal preference, but that's where I'm going to go with. I'd like to get off the catcher bandwagon because we've talked about it multiple times on this show. Oh, God, please do. Yeah, and let's go to infielders. Um, J.J. Hardy, of course, being hurt. You've got Manny Machado starting at third base, Jonathan Scope starting at second base, and then you've got your two utility infielders going to be probably jockeying around at shortstop. You've got... Ryan Flaherty and Everett Cabrera, um, both playing shortstop. Jake, who do you think is going to start at shortstop this year for the Baltimore Orioles while J.J. Hardy is hurt? Well, most of this is a mea culpa because I think it's going to be Everett Cabrera. Okay, yeah. And and I thought that Everett Cabrera was a pretty terrible signing. It was a $2.4 million signing for a guy with you know some troubles in his past and a guy that wasn't, in my opinion, going to do anything or be anything. And... 
he really turned around my opinion of him as a player in that last week of spring training. You know, this seems really familiar. I remember last year we were talking about a player that we weren't very happy that he was they were signing with us and that he had off-field issues. And then he somehow had a magical hit during the playoffs during Game 2 of LDS. So by this account, Everett Cabrera is going to hit a three-run homer in the ALCS and take the Orioles to the World Series? Okay, that may happen. Okay. The, the point is, is that I think that Everett Cabrera may very well be a very serviceable replacement for J.J. Hardy while he's out. And, you know, J.J. Hardy, as we've talked about, we don't know the extent of his injury. But he's going to be a guy that has to miss days every once in a while. Yes. And Not to mention it's going to be good, a good opportunity for him to miss days, too. Um, having to play J.J. Hardy constantly. Let's take a look at last year. year. You know, J.J. Hardy came out and mentioned, you know, he had issues last year with his health. And he saw a massive decrease in his power. If they can give J.J. Hardy some breaks, it's going to only keep him to be more healthy and be much more of an active contributor for this roster going forward, especially as a 32-year-old shortstop. And if they can get this this pitching staff situation worked out, I think you can carry both Flaherty and Everett Cabrera because both of those guys, you know, Cabrera was getting reps in the outfield. Both of these guys can be very valuable in that super sub category, right. I, I think. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. The other interesting thing would be from that is what if – they keep both of them on the roster, and then if they can't get the logjam free in the bullpen, what if they option one or the other once Hardy comes back and they go with a short bench and they basically use a Cabrera slash Flaherty super utility player back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in order to do your option game? It's very possible. Got to think like Dan Duquette in terms of what kind of options can we do. I don't want to think like Dan Duquette. Yeah. It scares me. What do you have in, as far as the outfield is concerned? All right, let's go to the outfield. You've got Alejandro De Aza. You've got Adam Jones, Steve Pierce, Travis Snyder. And I guess we're going to lump Delman Young as an outfielder, but really he should only be a DH. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it was Dylan Atkinson from Orioles Uncensored who, who tweeted out something to the effect of, really deep Orioles outfield. Boy, this wasn't you know the, the story in the, in the offseason, was it? I kind of agree with him. You know, it's not a bunch of superstars, but there are good players not going to make this club because of the log jam in the outfield. Uh, I think pretty good options out there. I think also if you look at it and you say, when David Lowe comes back, if he's your fifth outfielder, that's a really good outfield set. Not to mention, you've got Nolan Rymel too in AAA. And I know the knock on Nolan Rymel was always going to be from Baltimore Orioles fans of, he's just going to get injured. But by that same logic, what if he doesn't get injured? And that's my, my biggest thing is what if, what if, what if? He could easily turn into, and Buck has said this, he could be the Steve Pierce this year for the Baltimore Orioles. I think everyone wants to hear that and everyone wants to see it as Orioles fans. I just don't know if we're forever going to see it. Yeah, to quote a very good friend of mine, uh, show beats tell. So he needs to do it. But uh, yeah, he, he absolutely could make an impact on this team. And, and maybe it is the best for him to be, uh, you know, kind of forced into the minors until something happens. Because you know there's going to be a health or a performance issue at some point. And maybe that'll allow him to come up and cement himself here. Sure. He's going to be successful either here or elsewhere. Right. The one person that we haven't mentioned for the opening day roster, of course, is Chris Davis. Chris Davis, of course, is going to be serving his one-game suspension. He'll be coming back for game number two. But my question to you, Jake, is Friday, we're going an open day in Camden Yards. We'll be there. Um, what do you think the reception will be for Chris Davis coming down the orange carpet on Friday? I, I, I certainly hope that it's a warm reception from the fans. I, I think that the, the fans are basically done with being angry at him. It, it's very interesting, and I, I have a confession to make. Oh, I may have read the Baltimore Sun today. Oh. 
Yeah, I read the Baltimore Sun, and there you was... You still get it? Oh, no. Oh, okay. So it was at your mom's house. I gotcha. Vi- I was visiting family. Gotcha. Um, but they had this Orioles preview, and before we go any further, look, Baltimore Sun had a, a 2015 Orioles preview that they bragged about the fact that it was 64... A 64 pages. Page preview. Uh, 12 full-page ads and at least five full-page pictures. Yeah, really big pictures. And not to mention, um, a large portion of it was greatest Orioles at each position. <sighs> That's not really a preview. Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me a preview, that's fine. And and it did have good content, but don't brag about the 64 pages. Just don't do that. Anyway, so you I know re- 100 things that all Orioles fans should know or do before they die. Not read the Baltimore Sun. So I read the Baltimore Sun's preview this morning, and they ta- they had an article about uh, Chris Davis. Yeah, right, we were talking about Chris Davis. Now yeah. they had an article about Chris Davis. And it was actually very candid about the fact that he had some bridges to mend with some of his teammates. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong, and so uh, please stop me from misspeaking, but at least Matt Wieters was one of them, that he said that he absolutely got an earful from Matt Wieters about just the poor timing and poor decision-making and where it left the team. And so, you know, I hope that, that Chris Davis, you know, doesn't still have work to do to win back that clubhouse. And I certainly hope that Chris Davis doesn't have work to do to win back over the fan base for, you know, his 196 average for his 25 game Adderall suspension. I want him to get re-embraced into Baltimore with open arms. I want him to do well and I want him to resign. These are all things I want. I think as soon as Chris Davis hits that first home run at Camden Yards, people will go gaga over him once again. Yeah. Cause you know, it's going to be opposite field and it's going to be clutch. Yep. Exactly. All right, Jake, let's go ahead and make some other bold predictions going forward. And, uh, Let's take a quick break and uh, play something that I know you're going to like. Fortune tellers! Fortune's forecast, lucky charms. Get the dope with your horoscope! Fortune tellers, how droll. Uh, stop the coat. Sarah, they may be bandits. Oh, Bobbycock. All right, um, Jake, we've made predictions multiple times in the past. Um, we made it actually during our first episode of this podcast, and boy, was it a doozy of a podcast. It was a disaster. I, I went back recently to listen to episode one to prepare for this segment. How, how'd that go for you? <sighs> well, I mean, the, the episode itself was a disaster. It was awful. But we've always done this at the beginning of every single year. We made it in 2013, episode 29, and even in 2014, we made it in episode 69. And somehow we're at episode 116 after only a year afterwards. Man, we are really getting an issue with this podcast. Um, but Jake, we had some really interesting predictions and you listened to 2014. You want to kind of walk us through some of the predictions that we made um, for 2014? Absolutely. But I I think that we're... The lo- best one, of course, was 2012 where you predicted the Orioles losing yes. 100 wins, before, 100 losses. Before yeah. 2012, we got together when we started this podcast and we thought the Orioles were going to be awful and I predicted 100 loss season. 100 loss season. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really bad. I, I think I predicted like 74 wins. Yeah. And I was just like, 100 losses and you're just like, oh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be a train wreck. And I'm like... Okay. And um, I had baggage. This is why I had baggage. I had baggage because the year prior I had predicted 80 wins that they were going to, you know, start building towards good things and and I was heartbroken. Yeah. Anyway, you you asked about 2014. 2014 is what I'm calling the year of partial credit. Oh, okay. Right, let's start with my first prediction from last year or which, the American University GPA system. <laughs> <laughs> it's close enough. Yeah. Horses and hey. Well, Horses and hand enough. grenades. Uh, my first prediction is as follows. Tommy Hunter loses his closer role. Wow. That's a great prediction. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, okay. To Ryan Webb. Ooh. Ouch. 
Ouch. Again, partial credit. Partial credit. Partial, I got a half point. In the partial credit, what was your first prediction? My partial credit was Zach Britton rises. Ooh, all right, there you go. To become the third starter. Ooh. I see. Yeah. You know what? With our powers combined, you put those two predictions together with the good part and just kind of toss out the bad yeah. part. That's a, that's a real live prediction. We can spin this any way you want, folks. That's right. Um, let's go into your next one, Jake. Uh, I, I thought in 2014, I tried to predict who would establish their value in 2014. Okay. Um, two players that were getting closer to their walk. You're not there, but closer. That would really need to, to establish that value. I said that Chris Davis was going to make good on his 2013 season Oof. and establish his value. And I said that Matt Wieters was going to be bad well you officially gave the man tommy john surgery so congratulations about that yeah i'm sorry about that um my one that probably wasn't that great was nick markakis makes his first all-star appearance i'm gonna give you partial credit on this one i absolutely am okay any reason why i think you were just a year off oh okay I, I think that I still like my conspiracy theory where he's going to get traded back to the Orioles. <laughs> I think there's a very good chance, but I think they're <laughs> trading away everybody else besides Nick Markakis, so he's going to be the only one left. Okay. All right, my last one, and this this was personal. This was right, personal. This you was, always this, feel this is this like, came from the heart. I thought that the Orioles' attendance in 2014 was going to increase by 500,000 fans over 2013. Did that happen? There was a hole in his heart that could only be filled by you, the fans. And guess what? There's still a hole in his heart. You let me down. You let me down, Berlin. What was your third prediction? My prediction was the O's are going to go have a 600 winning percentage against the entire American League East, except for the Tampa Bay Rays, which they were only going to go 400. My prediction last year was the Tampa Bay Rays were going to be the World Series perennial favorite and, you know, just destroy the rest of the American League East. May have gotten that one wrong. We're really, really good at this. Yeah. And with that, I mean, I think there's no better a foundation to to start on for 2015 let's hear it scott magnus uh you want me to start you want you want to go first How you, do you, go, want you go ahead first all right all right we always let you, you make yourself we always let you go go last because your rants uh greatly exceed the quality of my own here's my first prediction for the 2015 orioles season number one obaldo jimenez will end this season with a sub 4.2 era wow that is a bold prediction. Look, I, I, I'm i not saying he's going to be a Cy Young con, uh, contender. I'm not saying that he's going to be what he was in 2013, that that made us sign him to this ridiculous contract. But I think that Obaldo Jimenez is going to earn his spot, is going to uh, be one of the five best pitchers on this team, and is going to contribute to Orioles' wins rather than make me root for potholes in Baltimore City. Okay. So 4.2, that's still a little on the high side, don't you think? Uh, for a pitcher or for ba- or for Obaldo Jimenez? For for a pitcher, like a starting pitcher. I think that Obaldo Jimenez is going to have a high ERA for a pitcher, but he's going to do all right. I, I think he's going to be like a number three. So, okay. So you're thinking he's going to be like a number three starter. League average. Okay. Um, Jake, my first prediction is going to be Chris Davis wins the home run crown once again, but fails to hit above 230. Okay. I think both of those things could happen or, you know, both. Both. Yeah. But but either one could happen. Yes. I I really hope so. My next uh my next prediction is not I won't call it a rosy prediction. Yeah. I think that 2015 will be the last special year from Adam Jones. Wow. I I think he's in that hall of very very good. You know, he's a very very good player. Okay. And I think he's going to I think he's going to deliver this year and he's going to, you know, lead the Orioles in all the categories that you need to. 
But I think that we're going to look back at 2015 and say that was the real last really good year. From this Adam is Jones. where it starts to fall, yeah. fall down a little and bit. And not precipitously. Yeah. But but this is the peak, if you if you will. This okay. this is the end of the peak. Okay. Um, all right. Mine is going to be, uh, for my second prediction, Brad Brock posts better numbers in terms of win probability added than Andrew Miller does. All right. This is important because I'm going to need you to guide me, the idiot, through win probability added and why you chose that particular stat. I think win probability added is a good stat from a reliever standpoint because I don't really want to look at ERA and I really don't want to look at any other stat. I want to look at what you do in clutch situations. And Kevin uh, Andrew Miller was amazing at this last year. He was able to come in and during the 7th and 8th innings and basically shut the door on games. Normally you see win probability added in terms of like a closer situation, but for a setup guy, I think it's a great stat to take a look at of being in really clutch situations where the game is absolutely close and kind of using that number as opposed to a save stat or even maintain the lead. Um, I think that's just a great set, stat for a setup man. For example, if you're getting Brad Brock in, but the game is, you know, 12 to two in the other team's favor, who cares that he didn't go up any runs over two innings? It doesn't matter. The game is so well out of balance there that it doesn't really matter how well he pitches during those two innings. So this is really the way to, to check. Is it junk time or does it matter? Yes. And I think that you and I are in agreement that having a designated closer is silly because in any given game, if the game ends two to one, the pivotal time of the game might be the fifth inning or the sixth inning when the reliever comes in to shut down a bases loaded situation versus the closer who comes in to get three outs with nobody on. Sure. I mean, that's the situation of back in the day in the bullpen back in the seventies and eighties. A lot of times they bring out their best pitcher during that time during the seventh or eighth inning to basically get out of the jam because they felt like they could be finishing the game out in the ninth inning with you know, somebody else. So I, I like that. I think, I think uh, Brad Brock could, could really be something. And, and so does a lot of the team, right? Who? who who's going to be the, who's going to be the person? Brad Brock? Brad Brock! Uh, Baltimoreans, you're on notice. Yes, you're on, on notice, Baltimoreans. Um, Jake, next one. My, my last prediction for the 2015 season is Kevin Gosman. Okay. Kevin Gosman is going to make 20 or more starts for the Orioles this season. He better. Look, whether it be ineffectiveness from one of the other starters or whether it be injury, Kevin Gosman is going to get his starts for this team. He's going to be a great starter, and he's going to lead them on to a lot of wins. I, I think that we overlook the fact that this rotation was really healthy in 2014. And remember, we used every starter under the sun in 2012. I mean, we used everybody. I was up for the next start um, in the playoffs if, if somebody went down. But in 2014, nobody really got hurt. We can't depend on that every year, and we've got the roster to absorb that kind of loss. I think that we're going to be able to see Kevin Gosman get used as a starter in significant games. Okay. I hope that's the case. I think that we will see Kevin Gosman make some significant games. I think 20-plus starts is perfectly reasonable. So I'm not sure it's bold, but I like it. Hey, I'm digging here. Yeah. All right. This is my bold one. This one is going to blow the roof off the place. Manny Machado finishes second to Mike Trout in MVP voting and enters into the illustrious 200-2020 club. And that's 200 hits, 20 home runs, and 20 stolen bases. All right, so that's not a 200 average, 20 home runs, and 20 RBIs? No, it's not. Okay, okay, I like that. That's quite a prediction. Yes, it is. So you think that, first of all, should we just uh, name the MVP award the Mike Trout Award? Until he gets hurt, yes. <laughs> Until he blows out both knees? Yes, yeah, oh, that's that's I might have gone too far, but I think Manny Machado could easily um, 
you know, put up similar numbers like a Michael Brantley did last year, where he had 200 hits, over 20 home runs, and 20 stolen bases. And you look back and you're like, meh. You know, I really don't hear too much about Michael Brantley. And then you look at his stats and you're just like, he had a pretty amazing season. And I think Manny Machado could easily put up that that season in, uh, for the Orioles and uh, well, basically become the best player on this team. Well, from your lips to the baseball gods' ears. But those are our bold predictions, and in my case, maybe not so bold because I'm just a, a weakling. But uh, the bold predictions for the Orioles, let's talk about the rest of the league. How do you see the AL East shaping up this year? Sure. So um, in terms of the AL East, we actually have the Orioles' win total. is actually going to be released via BaltimoreSportsReport.com. So go over to BaltimoreSportsReport.com and see exactly how many wins both me and Jake are predicting for this team. But in terms of the lay of the land, Jake, I'm predicting that the Baltimore Orioles once again become the AL East champions, followed by the Boston Red Sox, then the Toronto Blue Jays, New York Yankees, and then the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, so the Orioles are just going to go ahead and defend their AL East champion. What a homer. That is so ridiculous, Scott Magnus. I cannot believe that you would still... I have the same thing. Okay. Um, same order. Baltimore, Boston, Toronto, New York, and Tampa Bay. But I hope, I hope that I'm wrong and that the Yankees are last. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, let's go to the Central really quickly, Jake. I decided to mix it up a little bit, and um, I'm going to go with Cleveland at the top of my uh, division in the Central, followed by Detroit, White Sox in the middle, Kansas City in fourth, and Minnesota at the bottom. Jake? Okay. I, you know, I see where you're going with that, and and a lot of pu- uh, national publications agree with you, and that that's fine. And I I think that the AL Central is going to be a really interesting division to watch. I still have Detroit on top because though I think everybody else got better, I'm not sure that they got better enough. And though Detroit, you know, has some question marks, you know, with Verlander's health and all that. Look, I get it. Miguel Cabrera's health. I think that this, Victor Martinez. I think there's still going to be enough. So I've got Detroit, the Chicago White Sox, mm. uh, Cleveland, followed by Kansas City, who has a terrible season, and um, wow, the Minnesota. That's Twins. harsh. Hey, my heart still hurts. I okay. still hurt. But again, I'm really interested to watch this race. I think it's going to be cool. Um, for the West, I have the L.A. Angels. Again. I think we both think good things for Seattle, but I think the Angels will pull it out in the West. I have the the Angels, Seattle, followed by the rest of them, and my particular order is Oakland, Houston, and Texas. What do you see going on? I think Seattle's going to smoke the American League. I think that their pitching staff is um, pretty amazing. I think that they're going to see some offensive uh, explosion that same. And I know that stadium doesn't really lend itself to being offensive. I think that team is really being developed around that stadium in terms of offense. I'm going to give Seattle the nod at the American League West. I'm going to give Oakland the second place in the American League West. I can't root against Billy Bean. I just really think that, you know, watching the offseason unfold, I'm like, what the heck are the athletics doing? They're rebuilding, and they always seem to come out of it. I'm just like, that makes a lot of sense, and it's very logical. So I'm going to go with Oakland, number two. L.A. is number three. Houston, number four. And Texas is number five. All right. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing there. What about the wild card as far as you see it? Jake, wild card. I've got Boston and Oakland in the wild card. How about you? Okay. I've got Seattle because I do believe in Seattle. I think they're going to turn a lot of heads, but I don't think they have enough firepower to, to match uh, L.A. And then I do have Boston as my number two wild card. But let me just say this. I really feel like Boston could go either way. I think Boston could go either way, too. I think they could actually... I think they could even win. The, I mean, I think, you know, you can read more about this at BSR because I post a little bit on it. But I think Baltimore, Boston, and Toronto all have a good shot at this division. 
I'm just going to be the homer, though, and pick the Orioles. So. But I, I also think it could be terrible. Yes, I totally agree. And, and like every other team, you know, it's only as far as their starting pitching will take them and all that other, you know, trite. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Boston. All right, so let, let's get serious about this. AL Manager of the Year, who do you have? I've got Terry Francona for the Cleveland Indians. If I'm going to pick Cleveland out in the AL Central to beat the Detroit Tigers, Terry Francona is going to have to be the Manager of the Year. Yeah, all right. He's he's a good manager. I may have hated watching him in Boston, but he's he, he's, he appears to be good at his craft. I'm going to go with Lloyd McClendon. I think that if Seattle actually does, like I said, turn heads, that he's going to get that award for what they put together out there. Okay, um, let's go to the next one, Jake. Um, AO Rookie of the Year. Who do you have? All right, I'm going to go with a bit of a dark, dark horse here. I'm going to go with Dalton Pompey. from Pompey? I think it's Pompey. Pompey? It might be Pompey, but I'm going to go with Pompey. Pompey? Uh, I'm going to go with Pompey out of Toronto. Okay, Um I hate that you're picking someone from Toronto. So I'm going to go back to Cleveland, and I'm going to pick Francisco Lindor, who is a shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. Um, Jake, all this talk has been made about Chris Bryant, and you know he's the Messiah coming to save Major League Baseball with the massive amount of dingers that he's going to hit for it because chicks take the long ball. But Francisco Lindor is a top 10 prospect in pretty much every single prospect aspect from baseball perspectives to baseball America. And even in baseball perspectives, he's the number four ranked prospect. Number five right behind him, Chris Bryant. Francisco Lindor is going to blow the roof off of people this year, and they're going to be really impressed just by the amount of defense that he plays too. Web Jim Galore, Francisco Lindor, is going to be American League Rookie of the Year. All right, I will uh, I will take that reasoning. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the AL MVP. Oh, you mean Mike Trout? I'm, I'm sorry, the AL Mike Trout Award. Thank you. Who, who do you have winning the AL Mike Trout Award? It's going to be a close one this season, actually, but um, I think Mike Trout pulls it out. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to go against you on this one, and and not because I think you're wrong, because he's obviously a good, he's a good pick. Again, I, he's the best, the best. Nothing's going to keep it down. You and the singing. You were on notice, sir. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to go for another dark horse. I'm going to go with Jose Abreu out of Chicago. I don't think it's so much of a dark horse. It's just a question of whether the league is able to respond to Jose Abreu after one season. I think the league responds similar to how they did with Chris Davis after the 2013 season. Um, and, uh, you know, Jose Abreu is going to be a good good player, but I don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year. All right. Uh, again, if the Chicago White Sox win... I think that he'll be in, in good consideration, and they'll win because he helped contribute to it. That's true, but he's not the best, the best. Oh, good Lord. All right, tell me about who you think the best pitcher in the AL will be. Who's your AL Cy Young Award winner? I'm going to have to go with King Felix. Felix Hernandez is going to be the Cy Young winner. He's going to um, make up for Corey Kluber coming and swiping his Cy Young last year. Felix Hernandez is going to dominate this year with that offense. I think he's easily going to win 20 games. He might even win like 22 to 24 wins. Um, this season i wish that i could argue with you like this is the conversation i would like to to have this argument but uh, it's more like point more point rather than point counterpoint you're far too logical sir for me to make an argument with you 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 were absolutely right about the offense i mean when when felix hernandez loses games i feel like it's he loses two to one yeah you know what i mean and if one thing that the the mariners have done is they've provided some more firepower and so if he gets some run support you're right his stats could be silly and you and I both agree that pitcher uh, wins are are ridiculous, ridiculous But it means a lot to baseball writers, right. guys that vote on it. And so if he comes through with those wins, no question in my mind. Let's switch over to the National League and let's talk about the National League East. Um, 
Jake, do you want to get started with this one? Yeah, but before we do, look, I'm going to need your finger to be right there on the sensor button. On the to, dump button, okay, uh, to, I gotcha. To ding out in case there's swearing, because I know how you feel about this team I'm going to bring up. I've got the ball. Uh, the Washington Nationals winning the NL East. I've what? Got, I've, I know. I've got the Nationals, followed by the Miami Marlins, followed by the New York Mets, and then it doesn't matter, but I'll, I'll say the Braves and the Phillies. I cannot believe you went and rooted for that team south with their amazing pitching staff and, you know, pretty decent defense. Yeah, the Washington Nationals are actually going to absolutely dominate the entire National League and the National League East. Washington is clearly the clear-cut favorite, but I'm glad that you picked Miami as the number two. I think Miami has a good, solid nucleus and foundation and could easily challenge the Nationals in coming years. I just don't think it's this year. I'm really excited about watching the Miami Marlins, and and it's cool because now— I was so mad at baseball for the longest time, you know, when the Orioles were terrible and the Yankees and the Red Sox just, you know, had their their feet on our throats. It was just it wasn't fun to watch baseball. You know what I mean? Um, but the watching the Marlins is going to be really fun. And if I catch a game of theirs on, like, say, the MLB network or whatever, mm-hmm. I think that can be a really interesting team and one that I look forward to growing, just as you indicated. Let's pop over to the Central really quickly. Jake, you want to get started with this one? Sure. I hate to go with 2014 chalk, but I've got the St. Louis Cardinals at the top. Again, I think it's a solid team. Uh, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I believe in a lot of the things they've got going on there. Um, followed closely by Big the Big Sabermetrics team. Followed clo- well, Andrew Gibson, right? Andrew Gibson. Followed closely by the Cubs, the, the Reds, and the Brewers. What do you have going on in the Central? Jake, I'm going to have to go with the almighty Cubbies right at the top of that division. Joe Madden leading them on, and you've got a plethora of great pitching, young prospects. I think they're the team that's going to take charge of that central, which has always kind of been like a hodgepodge over the past few years. And I think they basically make the rest of the central, um, well, they take advantage of them, basically. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. I am drinking the Cubs Kool-Aid. Face it, it's just Madden, isn't it? Zach would be on my on my boat with this one. With if Joe Madden is in the National League, he is going to crush it. You, did you see Joe Madden's move today to for the beginning lineup for the Cubs? I didn't. I missed it. So guess where he's pitching? Batting the pitcher. Uh, where eighth? Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, you know what they're going to start saying about him, right? What's that? Joe Madden is going to be playing diplomacy while all of the other NL managers are going to be playing chess. Or Stratego. Could be Stratego. I, I yeah, like that. Yeah, Stratego. Like but yeah, my going Cubs, Cardinals, Pirates, Milwaukee, the Reds for the Central. Let's go over to the West next. All right. NL West, this is how I see it working out. I've got the LA Dodgers, who I still think are the cream of that division, followed by the San Francisco Giants, followed by a much improved but not enough San Diego Padres, uh, followed by, again, who cares, Colorado and Arizona. Look, I think the Padres made a lot of great moves, and I totally agree with you. I think they made a lot of improvements, especially today after getting Kimbrell. I think that really helps them a lot. Good Lord, who aren't they going to go after? I just really raised the question of can they put it all together, and can you put that team on paper and actually build chemistry behind it? They're certainly going to be a very interesting team to watch. Jake, if I were to ask you one storyline from the 2014 Padres, what would it be? Uh, 2014 Padres, last yes, year. Last year. Uh, good weather. Uh, yes, I, I, I can't name a single storyline from the 2014 Padres. So I'll be interested to watch um, Padres games going forward with maybe some Vince Scully in the background when the, they're playing the Dodgers. You got to give them credit for trying. They are right? trying. Like we, we railed against that for so many years that the, the, the birds weren't trying. At least a, a long-suffering franchise uh, fan base can say that their team is trying. 
Totally agree. All right. What do you have as far as the National League wild card is concerned? Sure. So I've got the Cardinals and the Marlins in the wild card. Okay. I I, I don't think you're crazy because I think both of those teams are going to make the playoffs. I have Seattle, of course, winning their division. Sure. For me, I have the Miami Marlins as the first wild card team. I think the only thing that's going to save them from winning a division will be how good the Nationals are. Absolutely. And then my second team is the Pittsburgh Pirates because I, I think they're good enough to make the playoffs in the NL. Fair enough. Um, let's go to manager of the year, Jake. Who are you picking for manager of the year? I, you know, again, as far as their team will take them, but I'm going to go with Mike Redman. Okay. Incorrect, sir. It's going to be Joe Madden because Joe Madden <laughs> is amazing. Not to mention, he looks great in some gym shorts and some high, uh, you know, ankle socks that have the stripes on and everything. So. No, no. If you're gonna if you're gonna stitch on your stirrups, you get no points from me. Uh, he gets good all, day, sir. He gets all the points in the book from me. Uh, so Joe Madden's my NL manager of the year. He is going to destroy the National League, Jake. With that, I've also got to go to my National League Rookie of the Year. It's got to be Chris Bryant. He's going to hit dingers. People love the long ball. Chris Bryant, National League Rookie of the Year. Book it. All right. Well, we've talked about how ridiculous it is that everybody's up in arms about the Chris Bryant situation. Look, there's a there's a very heavy Cubs flavor to your predictions here. It's because of Joe Madden. Well, then I think I have to jump on the bandwagon, but I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. Okay. I'm going to go with Jorge Soler of the Chicago Cubs to be your... NL Rookie of the Year. Perfectly fine. Fully are they emphasizing the aspect of why the Cubs are going to win the National League Central. Interesting thought, though. If you've got Soler and you've got Bryant, both being Rookie of the Year candidates, it'd be interesting to see if they split the vote to a certain regard and a Dark Horse is able to come in and steal it away from them. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a good question. All right, who do you have listed as your NL MVP? Jake, I have Gino Carlo Do you? I do. Wow. It's Gino Carlos Stanton is who I have. That sounded impressive. Yeah. Look, he's a great player. I, I hope, I really hope that he comes all the way back from that. He will. He'll be fine. All right. Well, he's going to hit some dingers. I hope so. Yeah. Some dongs. Some dong, 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 dong. Thank you. No problem. It's just playing to the judges right there. Because Gino Carlos Stanton. Go ahead. For NL, for NL MVP. I know you really like the hand motion too over here. <laughs> I wish that you guys could see this. For NL MVP, I'm going to go with Josh Harrison. What? I know. He's not even the best person on his team. I know that he's not, but, you know, what are you going to do? I, I think that he's a very talented player, and I think that he has a chance to take off this season. Okay. Who are you going to go for a National League Cy Young? Well, again, I hate to do this whole Walgreens ad for you, but I'm going to go with Jordan Zimmerman. And it's a very difficult thing to choose between the different uh, pitchers on the Nationals. But look, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, you know, Fister, all of those guys, Zimmerman is deadly. He's got heat. He can bring it in at 94. But the pinpoint location is really the thing that separates him. He is the, the jewel of that rotation, if you ask me. And I think he's got every chance to be the Cy Young Award winner. Jake, the NL Cy Young winner is going to be Jordan Zinnerman. It's as simple as that. It's The Curly W is going to get a Cy Young. So congratulations, Washington, for getting a Cy Young. That's about as far as you're going to get, though, in terms of awards during this year, though. Oh. Well, let me ask you, how do you see the playoffs working out? What do you have going on in the AL? Jake, uh, I've got the AL champions being the Baltimore Orioles over the Boston Red Sox. Really? Yes, I think the Boston Red Sox are going to defeat the Seattle Mariners, and the Orioles are going to defeat the Cleveland Indians and go to the ALCS. And uh, at that point, the Orioles are going to defeat the Red Sox to go to the World Series. What a ridiculous homer you are. Yes, I am. 
Myself, I am picking the Baltimore Orioles to win over the Seattle Mariners. Oh, this is the first time we've actually picked the Orioles to go to the World Series in this podcast. Not I a know. good sign. It's pretty weird. But the thing is, they've been a good team for several years, and they have every every good chance to repeat as ALEs champions. And again, you know, once you get into the playoffs, it's you know, every any given Sunday, anything whatever, can happen. Whatever, whatever you even the Royals say. can get there. But I think they they have as legit a chance as anybody else, and I, I like what I see. Let's talk NL champs. Who do you have? All right. I myself, man, I really hate what's going on here. I've got the Washington Nationals beating the Los Angeles Dodgers to go to the World Series. I'm predicting right here and now a Parkway Series. Oof. Um, Jake, I've got the Dodgers over the Devil Magic Cardinals in the October Series. So, um <laughs> I'm going to have uh, the Dodgers there. So, uh, Jake, I think that makes me have a 1966 rematch between the Orioles and the Dodgers once again. Wouldn't that be cool, though, to have, you know, Jim Palmer throw out the first pitch and then have Drysdale throw out the first pitch? And, I mean, you've really got some some cool history going there. And to listen to the game with Vin Scully. Oh, Lord. That's why you're picking this, isn't it? You just want to hear Vin Scully. Pretty hot. <laughs> All right, so you have the Orioles winning in, I, I'm going to assume, four games. I do have the Orioles winning in four games over the Dodgers. Nice. I like that. <laughs> All right. I hate to, I hate to end this, this prediction thing on a down note, but I have. No. No. No, you're not. I have the Orioles losing to the Nationals in six games in the World Series. Hear me out. Hear Get me the out. heck out of my house I, now. I have an excellent reason. Can I, can I at least give you the reason? It's never going to be a good enough reason. If. Josh Fimber must own your soul is the only good reason. (laughs) I think that fate would conspire to make me as miserable as possible. And watching the Orioles make it all the way to the World Series only to lose to the to the crosstown Washington Nationals. I think that's one of the worst gut punches I could experience. So why wouldn't it happen? You know, I've got to say, you and I both have this very pessimistic attitude of, you know, preserving oneself and basically almost rooting against the home team to a certain regard and being like, no. We can't support the team that openly because if it is, then the universe is going to notice and strike us down in our places. This is why we can't have nice things. Exactly. This is why we can't have nice things. Um, so I, this is the first year where I am jumping on the bandwagon to a certain regard and just rotting out saying, you know, good things have happened for so many years. Let's hope it keeps continuing. Jake, I'm with the Orioles. The Orioles are going to win the division. They're going to actually, this is a preview for BSR. They're going to go wire to wire in their division, Look and then they're you. going to win the World Series <laughs> in four games. I think at the point at which I am the pessimist and you are the optimist, we have reversed polls on this on this podcast. I may have got a little reckless with my picks. A little reckless. A little reckless. A little reckless. You. Manny Machado, by the way, 200, 200 hits, but also 20 stolen bases. A oh, little reckless. Oh, my goodness. I, we've, we've got to j- jump here. Scotty, can I blow the save at this point? Jake, go ahead and blow the save. I need help, Scott. Okay, I can try to help you. I need help, not not just from you, although I I do often seek your counsel. I need help from you, and I need help from the ball, uh, the bird's eye view listener. Uh, I have a problem. Okay. Tuesday is a very big day for me professionally. Uh, big deadline coming up, and to lead up to it, I cannot miss work on Monday. Ouch. I mean, I cannot miss any work on Monday. It is it is all hands on deck. Pretty serious time. Okay. Uh, however, at 310 on Monday, there will be a baseball game. Oh, yes, there is. So I need to decide how I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to be in a meeting that may or may not be over by the time the game starts. Okay. So do I 
do I shirk my responsibilities yes. from from this podcast yes. and Twitter and all this stuff? No. And go on a, a social media blackout, DVR the game, no. go home with my ear hands over my ears, pretend that nothing happens, that put never the kids works. to bed, and then watch the, the watch the game on on delay, and then you know find out what happens. No, that never works. Go ahead. All right, so one. that's that's option number one. Option number two would be to hope uh, and pray that this meeting ends, that I can then get to a radio, throw some headbuds on or earbuds on, try to look busy, and listen to the game on the radio. Not likely. It's Murphy's Law. It's going to come back and bite you in the butt for you. I agree. So, I mean, if you're saying I shouldn't do the, fir- the former and I shouldn't do the latter, what's left? Well, um, Jake, you're looking a little peckish. Um, I sense a cough coming on. <laughs> um, it's probably from drinking the 180-day-old beer that you just had, and probably there was some microbial growth within that given beer. So I'm thinking you take the day off tomorrow with a um, a bacterial infection from your beer, and you go ahead and just go ahead and stain down the rest of your bar and then listen and watch some Orioles baseball tomorrow afternoon. I would love nothing more than to do that. But as I indicated, if I take time off this week, I might have a lot more time off on all the days that follow. So I'm in a tough spot. So I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there for listeners. What do you think I ought to do about the game tomorrow? Again, I've got to be at work and the Orioles and the, the Rays didn't schedule this very well. They did not consider me when they did that. Okay. One other option too. You could get that old man earbud thingy and you could just put your pocket radio in there. I figured it out. You know what? What about the time traveler? The Boston time traveler. Yep. I need to find his secret, and I need to work that out. Okay. Well, I don't think we ever need to bring someone from Boston into the equation. I apologize. Um, but, you know, Jake, baseball is finally back. I think we're all excited that this is happening once again. But I have to make an apology to our female demographic. Last week, I was kind of going through our closing, and I mentioned the guys out there. But I didn't talk to you ladies out there. So, um I'd like to apologize to the ladies out there in Birdland. You're an equal part of my life, just as all the guys are. So to all your ladies out there, thank you very much for listening to us. And we look forward to talking to you every Monday night. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, With that having been said, I think it's time to draw this to a close before anything else gets mentioned. Baltimore and Beyond, adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Welcome back, baseball. And let's... Go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.